Okay, so we're going to start. First of all, to explain that um, uh, I know these days are long. We know these days are long. And uh, sometimes you feel like you can hardly keep... You, know, you just want to go home, don't you? Just I know. No, say you don't. No, no, you don't want to go home. Good. Um, the reason that we... Last time we only had three sessions, actually. Um, and we have played about with three sessions. We've, we used to do mornings only. We, uh, but actually, if you do a whole day, some people will stay all day. But some people, they get the freedom to come a bit later or to go a bit earlier. So it means that there's, you know, there is a turnover and you can come and go as you please. Obviously, it's better if you stay all day because you get the beginning and the end. That's like the Agatha Christie. If you don't stay for the end, you don't get who did it. <laughs> and if you are not there at the beginning, you don't know what was done. So I'm actually going through Poirot at the moment. Years ago, someone bought me the set, you know, the... DVD set. I know that's a bit old hat now with Netflix and everything else, but there's so few things you can watch on TV these days that I'm resorting back to, to Poirot. And that's always fun for me because, you know, it's so old-fashioned now, but, but it's fun. Anyway, I don't know why I'm talking about Poirot. So I'm talking about beginnings and endings. So uh, we are going to... Please keep looking at our website. If you haven't looked at it, start looking at it because we are going to do a lot of different things. And one of the things we have done already is... Um, we had a morning uh, talking about sharing testimony and how we do that. And uh, we want to do another one. So it's not exactly a follow-up. So if you didn't make the first one, you can come to the, the next one because it'll be fine. And uh, I need to talk to Maureen about it because she helped with that. And, um, and I've got a date in my mind, but I haven't talked to her about it yet. So watch the website. I'm thinking either the 11th or the 18th of March which is, will be five weeks after the last one. Um, it's, it was really good. I was really pleased with it. And I think everyone who came was pleased with it because we talked about how to share testimony. And, and then we did a tiny bit of sharing testimony. Uh, only those people who wanted to. But I'd like to take that a bit further next time and do more of it and have... Uh, because there are people here, Norma's obviously got an amazing testimony of black underwear that we all want to know. <laughs> but Marg, sitting next to her, you've got a testimony because you said to me about Zephaniah 3.17 and that's your verse. And um, so testimony is not just how we came to the Lord, it's how what he's been doing with us since, isn't it? And that's what we want to know because that's... Because understanding how to, to give our testimony, short, you know, it helps us. Because when we meet people who are not believers, we can share certain parts of our testimony. And they have real meaning to people and they cut right through. So uh, anyway, keep thinking about that, whether you'd like to come. It's a Wednesday morning. It will be on the 11th, I think, or the 18th, unless Maureen pulls the plug and says she's in Israel or somewhere exotic. And um, yeah, but we're going to do that. 7th of March, remember, is the, is the half day on a prayer, and I hope that will be good. 25th of April is um, the next one of these. Um, yeah, I'm going up to Cape and Ray. Has anyone heard of Cape and, Cape and Ray? So I'm there in March for two back-to-back -back weekends teaching, so I'm really excited about that. So that's why we're not having anything here in March. Cape and Ray, it's a torchbearer's Bible school. And I've been to Austria. They invited me to Austria a couple of years in a row, and I've done that, and now they've invited me up there. So um, two weekends. If you go online, you can probably still book for one of them. One of them sold out. The other one's still available. I, t I say that it's sold out. Nothing to do with me. It's just the same people go every year, so they sell out in advance. So, um, yeah. So watch our website. You know, 
Keep in mind what's going on. Think about things that you might be able to offer to desiring truth. How long have you been a Christian? Hold on, Mike. How long have you been a Christian? Not him. How long have you all been Christians? Have you been Christians a long time? Norma, you can't speak, not just for a minute. Ah. Okay. So one of you two ladies next to Norma, get on the website and tell her about it. Yeah, there you go. How long have you been Christians? Just shout out the years. <laughs> 32 years. 32 years. 1983. Long time. So, what are you doing for the Lord? <laughs> okay. Let me rephrase that. What else could you do for the Lord? You know, and maybe what else you could do for the Lord, you could do through... Okay. What, maybe what else you could do is through Desiring Truth. We are a growing ministry. We want to be the body of Christ. We are part of the body of Christ. There are things that we can't do because we're not used by the Lord in that way. And they will be things that you can do. So we need to be working together. So um, we're quite nice, you know, and we have lots of cake and tea. So um, have a think about it, pray about it. How might the Lord use you in this ministry? Um, Father, thank you that um, you are growing this ministry. Thank you that it, it's just such a privilege and a blessing to um, be a part of what you're doing. And Father, we all want that, actually. All of us want to be used by you. We want to honor you. We want to glorify you in our lives. And, and only you can start that and enable us, Lord. And so we ask that you will, that you'll show us ways that uh, we can serve you, Father, um, whether that be in Desiring Truth or not, whichever way, Lord, it doesn't matter because it's all about you and our loving you. And so as we, as we go into this last session, Lord, help us to help one another as we discuss and as we talk and as we look at your word, Lord. Help us, give us that confidence, Father, that sometimes we lack to, to remind us that uh, we have a purpose here, that there is a plan for our life and that, that um, you will do great and mighty things through us. So I thank you, Lord, for this day so far, and I ask that again that you be honoured in this last session. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so uh, I finished um, sort of um, with the statement that Jesus had once and for all dealt with sin, with guilt, with shame, and uh, the fact that God is not ashamed of you. He doesn't condemn you as guilty. He calls you his own, actually. And when he looks at you and talks to you, he calls you holy because you belong to him. And I know that that's hard for us to hold in our heads, that we are holy unto the Lord. But if you go through the Old Testament and you look at the temple and all the different parts of that temple... Everything that God touched became holy. So you who have the spirit of God within you are holy to the Lord. And, um, and the question now for us right at the end is how do we really practically live in the truth of it all? How do we live in the truth? How do I practice living without feeling guilt or shame? How do I know that I know that I know that God refuses to remember my sin any longer. And God's answer to all of our questions is Jesus. Look at Jesus.
in him all is accomplished. All is finished. Um, and so right at the beginning, now that everyone's quiet and tuned in, I want to send you back out again, actually. I would like for 10 minutes, if you could, about 10 minutes, if you could just sit with the people you're with or on your own or with one person, whoever it is. And I want you to think about and help each other to um, visualize every past sin and failure being completely forgiven. I don't mean you've got to go over your sins because we haven't got all day but that you just visualize the fact that your sins are completely forgiven in Christ Jesus. And that's not just the sins that you wouldn't perhaps label as sin. It's all the things that you weren't enough at. You know, there are most of us here, not all of us, but lots of us have been parents, our parents. And we didn't do a perfect job. You know, that's just the reality. There's no perfect parent and we made a lot of mistakes, some of us. And, and there are consequences to those mistakes that we're still seeing played out in front of us. But that's forgiven in Christ. And the guilt has gone. And we have to learn how to live in the truth of that. How to recognize that we're real human beings who made real mistakes. Who really did a lot of stuff that they wish they didn't do but that Christ's sacrifice is enough for all of it. And I think that sometimes it's good to help each other to, to really know that it is all forgiven in Christ Jesus. Now, whether that means you're going to actually say something that is bothering you to someone else, I don't know. It doesn't have to be. But could you spend just 10 minutes talking with one another, praying for one another. That might be the way to approach it. Just pray for one another to understand that everything is under the blood of Jesus. If you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, everything is covered by his blood, cleansed by his blood. And then think about how does the, how does the reality of that affect your feelings about God? And about yourself and your future with God. There's a lot of things there to remember, aren't there? So concentrate on just, um, just if, even if you're not going to share deep stuff, pray for one another. Pray that each other understand the reality of what we have in Christ, who he is, what he has done. And then think about a little bit how that will affect your vision of God and your vision of yourself actually going forward. Because we're all going to go out of here today and tomorrow start a new day. A new day with a new song. And we want to sing a new song, don't we? So 10 minutes, well actually less than 10, maybe till about 10 to, 10 to 4. Just gone. And you can go on, off on your own or sit together, whatever, whatever you like. <laughs> um, can we just kind of turn around again and kind of come back? Would that be all right? Because I want to ask you, um, really, when you go from here, to think about, realistically, um, knowing that you are totally forgiven, totally forgiven, how does that change your vision of God? You don't have to answer now. 
And how does it change your vision of your future? Because the, the reality is that we're still here on the planet. And what's the purpose of that? Because if the purpose was just that we know Jesus, well, we know him already. If the purpose was just that we might get saved, we're already saved. Yeah, the purpose is... Yes, of course, that's the purpose. And he can use more the person who completely trusts that everything has been done. It's, it's not that you become just much more great. It's that he becomes greater in your mind. And you, you worry less about your own frailty. Um, I don't know if you did it. But the purpose of it was for us to affirm each other. Not for us to have the whole tale of woe, um, although that's sometimes important, but that you would be affirmed. That is that Jesus does not remember your sins. That he has totally forgiven you. That you are redeemed. That Satan has no control over you that he cannot touch you. You know, these are really important, these things. And we're going to be looking at them more in detail in a couple of weeks on the 7th of March. But, you know, you are out from Satan's kingdom. You are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. First Peter chapter 1, verse 5. You are protected by the power of God through faith. God is protecting you. Jesus said, Simon, Simon, Satan has demanded permission to sift you as wheat. Satan must ask permission to touch a believer in the Lord Jesus. He cannot touch you, cannot harm you, cannot take the Spirit of God from you. We are to now, now, decide now, to live in the victory of Christ Jesus. To decide that our failings and our weaknesses are the perfect opportunity for him to show his strength. Um, because unfortunately what will happen about us is that the closer we get to Jesus, the more we are aware of our failing and weakness. You know, it's like, really? <laughs> I mean, I want to know Jesus more and more, but as I get closer to the sunlight, I see all the mark. And so, uh, for some, that's really good because it gives you the opportunity to confess and repent and continue on with the Lord, and, and we need that. But in other ways, it can hold us back. It can kind of deter us from getting any closer. In fact, I have a few friends who have said to me, they don't want to get closer to the Lord. They're happy where they are. They're afraid. They're afraid of what he might ask them to do. They're afraid of what they might find out about themselves. They're just afraid. And actually that's true of a lot of us in different ways. We're afraid of what God might ask us to do. Really, I don't want to, I don't want to go to Asia, Lord, as a missionary. 
you know, I, I, we have some things that we will do and things we won't do or we think we won't do and we're afraid if we get closer to God, he's going to ask us to do the thing we don't want to do. And so, actually, the whole Bible, I think, is written, Genesis to Revelation, to, to dispel that deception, to help us to see that when God calls you to something, you will absolutely love it. You will love it. You'll be nervous to start with, maybe, but you will actually really love doing what he's called you to do. Can you imagine Peter? You know, when um, he sees this, the power of Jesus, he says to Jesus, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. Remember when he said, you know, with the fish, put, put down your nets on the other side. It's that, it's that idea that, that when you understand the power of Jesus, you just want to say, you know, just, I can't be in your presence. It takes a radical shift in our thinking to understand we can come boldly to the throne of grace. That we can run into Jesus' presence. And that's why we are constantly encouraged to stay in the word of God. To, to develop this understanding of all that's true about Jesus. That's why Paul will say, don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit of God will bring the reality of the word and of Jesus into our lives. So um, consider Jesus. That's what this whole... The whole book of Hebrews, the whole Bible actually, is about consider Jesus. And everything in it points to Jesus. If you read through the Old Testament, it's all pointing to Jesus. Every sacrifice, every prayer, every song of praise, everything in the Old Testament points to Jesus. Every example, every circumstance, every person, Abraham, Moses, um, Gideon, Deborah, they all point to Jesus, all of them. You know, and when you read the Old Testament and you're reading about Daniel, you're reading about Daniel slaying the lion. Yes, not slaying the lion, but being in the lion's den and things. And you're thinking, how am I ever going to be like Daniel? The answer is you're never going to be like Daniel. You are not Daniel. Jesus is Daniel. When you're thinking about David coming up against Goliath and standing there and saying, who is it that insults the armies of the living God? I'm going to pick up my sword and fight this Goliath. You can't be David. I mean, look at yourself. You're not David. David is, only Jesus is David. Only Jesus can slay the Goliath in your path. Only Jesus can can come past the enemy that you're facing. Only Jesus can have the victory. You can't. But that's why he came. So that in him you could have victory. In him you can stand. In him you can know the joy and the assurance of your salvation. In him you can be perfected. In him so the thing is, all of the Bible is telling us, take your eyes off yourself and put them on Jesus. Take your eyes off your own life and put them on Jesus. And so when we're taking out the witness of Jesus, what do you think God wants us to say? 
Take your eyes off yourself and put them on Jesus. Take your eyes off your circumstance. Take your eyes off your sickness. Take your eyes off your marriage. Take your eyes off this world and put them on Jesus. In him is hope. In him, yes, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full on his, in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. That's the message of the Bible. That's the message to each of us individually and us collectively. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Well, now, honestly, how many times you do that every day? Honestly, when you're facing things in your day, how many times are you immediately turning your eyes on Jesus? Because that's, that's where the rubber hits the road. That's where the victory is. When you wake up in the morning and you feel low and you remember all the stuff that should have happened, didn't happen, has happened, but you don't want to happen, do you immediately turn your eyes on Jesus? Because that is what will bring the joy. When you get out of bed and you go off and you do something and, you, and somebody offends you or someone hurts you or someone says a lie about you or someone does something terrible to you, do you really immediately turn your eyes upon Jesus? Because that is the thing that will give you peace, that will enable you to forgive the person in front of you. It's always turning your eyes. Consider Jesus. Consider Jesus. Consider who he is and what he has done and where you are going and what is your future and what is waiting for you. Norma with her stick and her ailments. What is waiting for Norma? Glory is waiting for Norma. Glory. And until she gets to be with the Lord, he is going to use her to bring about the building of his church. I will build my church, Jesus said, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And how will he do it? Through you. Through you. As the Holy Spirit enables you and gifts you and moves you and guides you and directs you, he will build his church through you. I mean, it's an amazing work that we've been called to. Martin, what were you going to say? Yes. Well, he could. No, he could raise up the stones, but you know, yeah. But yes. 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 And so we have to be sure of who we are in Christ. We have to be sure of who he is in us. Because if we just rely on ourselves, we won't be able to go out of the door. Because we'll know we can't do it. We won't have the right words. We won't know what to say. We won't be enough or say enough or do enough. We have to be sure that Christ is here and that he is enough. And that there is no failure in Christ. There is no failure in Christ. The whole, as I said, uh, Hebrews uh, uh, has been 
leading them, showing them that all the Old Testament sacrifices, all the Old Testament ways were just pictures. They were shadows to draw them to Christ so that when he came, they would know this is the real thing. And there's an interesting verse, which I just want to spend a bit of time on right at the end. There's an interesting verse in Hebrews 10, which I think is um, kind of sums up um, how we think about ourselves. Um, Hebrews 10, verse 14 for by one offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. I mean, that's a, uh, is that an oxymoron? Is that what an oxymoron is, you know, when it says the opposite thing? I don't know, is that right or am I wrong? Is that an oxymoron? Nobody knows, do you? Don't know, good, I'm glad. It is, yeah, thank you, Daniel. <laughs> hmm? Exactly, thank you. It's the opposite. So in that one sentence, think about it. He has perfected for, every, for all time, forever, those who are being perfected. He has sanctified forever those who are being sanctified. How does that make sense? He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. So what does that mean? Yes. But we are perfected already. It's been done, but it's being done. So how does that affect the way we think about ourselves? Because, you know, it's a nice Christian spiritual statement. He has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And I love it. I love sanctified. I love perfected. But I want to know what it means. What does that mean for my life today? I am perfected for all time. How can I be perfect if it's continuing and I'm not yet there? How can I be perfected and yet be being perfected? It's the same word. <laughs> I, this... Yes, I think Carrie's right there. Yes, the verb tense is being sanctified. Yeah, that some of the translations, mine says, uh, yes, mine says, he has perfected forever those who are sanctified. But the sanctified, it's written in the Greek in the present tense continual sense. So he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And as Carrie says, and the only reason I'm stressing it is because if you can't hold the two things in your mind, you will think, I can't do anything yet because I'm not quite ready. And what he's saying is, you are completely and utterly complete, perfected in Christ Jesus now. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There you go. As soon as we tried to put words to it, it's too difficult. Yeah, but, the two, but two things are true. You are already complete in Christ, but you are being perfected and sanctified to become complete in Christ. You are already, in God's eyes, perfect. Complete, 
Yes. So God declares over you, you, are Jenny, is already perfected. What does that mean in real terms? Yeah. Put a different words on it. She is already perfected. She's a finished work. She's a finished work. In what way is she a finished work? She's completely saved. But in what way is she finished? I know, I know I'm just pulling, it's like pulling teeth. I'm only doing it because I want us to understand what it means. What does it mean? She's saved, yeah, but she's perfected, completed, matured. That's what that word means. No, 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 no. This is definitely a done deal. You are perfected. He has perfected forever, perfected forever, past tense perfected, forever, those who are being sanctified. And I'm not doing this to be just to be mischievous. I'm doing it because I want to get to it. What is it? Yes. Right, right, right. Right. It's a done deal. Right. But here, I'm working because I am still being sanctified here. It's close, but no cigar, Jane. Close, but no cigar. Because, yes, you're right that there is that uh, we are spiritually already perfect, and yes, our soul is being transformed, but he doesn't divide us. God doesn't divide us into different bits. So when he says we are perfected forever, there's a reality in that. And in what way does that mean we are perfected? Yeah, how he sees us could be, but what does it mean? Yes. Why, yes, yes, in one sense, but we are being made into that which God is, wants us to be. Right, we're perfected through Christ's perfect sacrifice, absolutely, yeah. Right. Yes. 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 It is difficult, but it's important. It's really important because the truth is you are already what you will be for eternity. You are already glorified in God's eyes. Totally glorified. Why? Why? Because you are in Christ and he is in you. Is Christ still needing bits and pieces to be done? No. And you are in him and he is in you. So there is that one, that kind of thing where you are totally and utterly gloriously perfected in Christ Jesus. Even if you don't walk in it all the time, that is true. But the being sanctified is how we experience that total perfection and glorification until we get there, until we go to be with him. So your being sanctified is for whose benefit? Yours. Does God need you to be sanctified? 
There you go. You're already perfect in him. So why is the sanctification being done? I don't think so, Carol. Why is God sanctifying you? No, justification is justification. Sanctification is being made holy. They will see it, but what? Yes, sort of, and that will happen. What is the, what is the purpose of sanctification? It's so that God can bless you. God is blessing you through your sanctification. How will it bless you that God is sanctifying you? In his sanctification of you, how is that a blessing for you? Because some of it's hard. Exactly. You won't have all the guilt. You won't have all your feelings. You won't have all the shame. You will start to believe that you really are perfect in Christ, that you really are complete in Christ, because you will start to see in your everyday life the result of the blessing of God. What does sanctification bring about in you? Yeah. Holiness. Yeah. So, and what, what does that look like, holiness? Christ-like character. What's Christ-like character? Yes, all that's true. It's all true, but I want the words. What does a Christ-like character look like? (laughs) It's true. It's true. But it's too simple. Come on. What does a Christ-like character look like? A Christ-like character has self-control is faithful, is joyful, is kind, is merciful, is gracious, is, is loving, is patient, is gentle, is humble. And all of those things, for some reason, are very appealing to you. You want to be gentle and humble and gracious and kind, don't you? You do. Why? Because Christ is in you. And so all of those sanctification things that are happening are for your benefit. They're for your benefit. Yes, they enable you to, be, to look more like Christ. Yes, they will witness to the glory of God. But God doesn't need you to do that. He blesses you so that you can do that. Why? When you know Jesus, what is the one thing you want to do? You want to please him. You want to please him. And how are you going to please him? By faith. You're going to become like him. And that's going to be your desire, to become like Christ. And what does God do with the desires of your heart? He fulfills the desires of your heart. What is the desire of your heart? To be like Christ Jesus. Isn't that your desire? You want to be like Christ. You who are already perfected in Christ want to be like him. And the more that you want to be like him, the more God blesses you with being like him. Honestly, I wish I had known this about sanctification when I was first being sanctified. (laughs) Because I went kicking and screaming. You know, and still do sometimes. No, I know, it's hard to believe, yeah. Um, I wish I had known. I thought I had to be holy. And it drove me mad because I couldn't work out how to do it. 
I wanted to be holy. I wanted to be kind. I wanted to be gracious. I wanted to be self-controlled. But the more I tried to do those things, the less I was able to do them. I know. I know. But the whole... Yeah, super. I like that word better. But the thing is, Norma, the thing is, when I understood that in Christ Jesus, I am already perfected. Exactly. I've got no struggle now. And when I understood this is the way God is going to bless me, it was like, okay, bring it on. I can't do this, but you can. Say that again. Yeah. Yes. In the heavenly places. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is. We are. Exactly. We are perfected forever in Christ Jesus. And the blessing is, as we are being sanctified, we are being made more like him. And that is a blessing because we want that more than anything else. Don't you want that more than anything else? To be like Jesus. So that, and that, so the promise that he makes to us through First John, we don't know what he'll be like when we see him, but we know we will be like him. That becomes like chocolate, doesn't it? Seriously, do you like chocolate? I love dark chocolate. So it becomes like chocolate. I don't know, Martin, to be honest. I think I haven't stopped studying scripture since almost the day I believed, not, not from the day. I've been a Christian since 1993, November, and I was put into what I would call serious Bible study about the middle of the following year, 1994. And I have studied since then. And I know that God speaks through his word. And I know that, I know that he shows me things about himself that I wouldn't see if I didn't study. But I also read books. I also listen I also, yeah, read commentaries. I want to know as much as I can know about God. And I, I, he, he gives you what, if you seek him, you will find him. And I think that's what, what God has done. Um, yes, yes, but all of this, what, what I'm saying all of this is because what an amazing motivation to holiness this is, that I'm already perfected, and that this is just the blessing, the blessing of, his, of God on my life. And the blessing of God in my life is that I would be like him, and that I would be holy. And, and I, even though I can't fully explain it or even understand it fully, because I'm sure there's so much more to it, it is such a wonderful thing to know. And, and when I know that, I'm not afraid. And I'm not afraid of God. Because you can be afraid of God because you know how far you are from him. Like Peter, depart from me. I am a sinful man. Like Isaiah, I am a man of unclean lips. And you can be afraid of getting close to God in case he sees stuff you haven't shown him yet. But the wonderful thing is that he's already perfected us. And he knows it all about us. Exactly, exactly, exactly. There is no stress. 
There is no fear. Perfect love drives out fear. Do not be anxious about anything, he says, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, present your request to God and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. That's what he gives you freely. And, and the thing is, it's, it's just a gift in Christ. So when, when in, Paul, in Colossians, Paul says, you are complete in Christ, that's what he means. You are holy unto God right now. Right now. You don't always live holy because you're fighting a battle with your own human flesh and with the enemy of your soul. But in God's eyes, you are completely holy right now. You cannot fail in God's eyes. He is not ashamed of you. There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Everything is forgiven in the beloved. You are being kept, watched over, preserved, guarded for your husband who is Christ Jesus. I mean, and, and, and that's the kind of faith that God is trying to build in us. We don't have that kind of faith. Because we, we, we get buffeted around by our own understanding and our own thinking. But that is what he is building in us. And that kind of faith can come boldly into the throne room and say to God, I have messed up today, but I know I am forgiven. And I am not afraid of tomorrow. And I want to live like that. Don't you want to live like that? I want to live like that. You have written your law on my heart, Lord, and I know that one day I'm going to stand in your presence blameless with great joy. And that's, that's the true and realistic faith that saves. That is what it is. You know, being a good Christian, being a, a, a wonderful believer who is used by God is not a matter of your strength or even the depth of your faith. The, the person that God uses is the one who wakes up in the morning and says, Lord, I can't do anything. I have no strength. I have nothing to give you. It's that person that God uses. And you can spot them. You see people that, like that. You talk to them. You know those people who understand who they are and the fact that they have nothing to offer to Christ. And so I suppose the end, the end is, will you trust Christ in that way? And will you practice trusting him in that way? Because that won't come naturally and easily to you. You have to practice trusting Christ in that way. You have to hold every thought captive and you have to do that today and tomorrow and the next day. And you have to be a friend, a brother or a sister in Christ to someone who is unable to do that right now. You need to be um, someone who is going to come alongside other believers and enable them to live in the truth of who they are in Christ. Will you really, really trust that he is the perfect sacrifice? That he's done everything you could ever need? That he has perfected for all time you 
who are being sanctified. Because there is perfect peace. There is the ability to rejoice in the Lord always. I say again, rejoice. It's there that you find your place in him. Hebrews earlier, which we haven't looked at, I think we might look at that next time, is um, it talks about the rest of God, the, the rest of God. And, um, and that's what I think it means to come into the rest of God, is to come in and understand that you didn't deserve to get there, what it cost Christ to bring you there, but that that is a place that God has for you, the perfect rest of God, where you can trust everything's been done, Nothing is left undone. You are already complete in him. And one day you will know the fullness of blessing when you see him face to face. And I, I, honestly, I've got the notice, be set free today. If you haven't believed this before today, it's simply a choice to pick it up now. Pick it up now. Live in the truth of it. Jesus has called you his own. I mean, I can't fathom it. Can you fathom it? He's called you his own. You hear in Isaiah 43 or 44, I think it is, uh, 43, uh, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you go through the fire, it will not consume you. I have called you by name. You are mine. And of course he's talking to Israel. Of course. It's a, it's a statement, a conversation with Israel. But by extension, crossing the bridge of time, the principle is true of us believers in the Lord Jesus today. He has called us by name and we are his. And he's calling us higher. Higher. Why? Because he has a mighty and magnificent future for us. And that's wonderful for me because I'm getting older. I'm not as old as you lot yet, but, you know, one day I will be. The amazing thing is that we only see through a glass Yes. 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 Yes, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. So we're going to finish with a song, which is wonderful. And... Um, and we'll be around if you want to pray or you want to talk or anything. Uh, we'll all be around. You'll be around to pray with someone if someone wants to pray. Oh! <laughs> thank you. Father, I want to thank you, Lord, for just enabling, enabling us to see these things and, and giving us the understanding and the knowledge that we need. And now, Lord, I do pray for wisdom. You say that wisdom is the correct use of knowledge and we need to use this knowledge correctly. So help us to do that, Lord. Help us to be unafraid and to be totally trusting that Jesus Christ is enough, that he is sufficient. He was sufficient for our sin. He is sufficient for our life. He will be sufficient for our eternity. Oh, Lord Jesus, it's so wonderful to know that. I ask that you continue to draw us closer in and through your word by your spirit. So I thank you, Father, for today. I thank you for all that you are and all that you have given us. And I pray, Lord God, that we would continue to go on thinking about this as we consider Jesus. 
the author and perfecter of our faith. In, in his name, amen.